Good morning. My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and uh, today is going to be a good day. Uh, not necessarily uh, a kind day, necessarily, if you are familiar with James 1. Uh, we're going to be in a portion of Scripture that's going to tell you to have joy uh, in the midst of things that don't typically bring us joy. So, um, it, which is great. I'm sitting there um, listening to the worship. They were singing the words and, you know, this a couple of lines I wrote down, all of this for your glory, all of this. We love uh, the glory to go to God when it's the good stuff, but realizing that all of this is for your glory. Uh, and I love the other line in the last song that we just sang that says, so much better your way which is the truth this morning. His way is so much better than ours. So um, here's my one thing that I want you to kind of hear as we go through the word today, is that God has a plan for your perfection. And that plan, like most other things that we do in this life, is probably not going to be that easy. Uh, And the problem is, uh, I see, is that we look around the world... And we have no issue looking at people that have done difficult things and the effort and energy they've put into that and go, man, those Olympic athletes deserve the gold medal because they've invested years of their life dedicating to this one thing. And they've suffered over and over to get to the level that they are. You know, most people that we admire if we look at their story from Walt Disney to all of these other individuals that had failed over and over and over again and, and failure made them who they are the problem with that is in the world we look at that and go absolutely it's going to you're going to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to get back up again after you fail over and over again but a lot of times we don't like that reality in the christian world we kind of think that You know, as long as I say yes to Jesus, he's going to make everything easy. He's going to make everything good. He's going to just make it an easy street. And the reality is, from the text that we're going to cover today, is that's not necessarily true. He does make things easier for us, uh, but not necessarily less difficult. So let's pray before we get into the word. Dearly Father, we just thank you this morning um, that... Your word speaks truth, even when we don't like it. And Lord, I pray today that uh, not necessarily my opinion or my thoughts, but your word would have the authority to encourage this morning through our trials and tribulations. Encourage us that you have a plan for our perfection. And your way is better than our way. And so Lord, we just ask you as we dive into your word that you... Um, you help us see the joy in the trial. Help us see the joy in what you are bringing us into. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you a little download on James. Um, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Just think about that for a minute. My full brother is not going to write glowing recommendations about me. <laughs> and he's definitely not going to say he's God. And, he, and just a second, at the beginning of this, he says a servant of, which really translate a slave of Jesus. 
my brother, as much as he loves me and admires me at times, is not going to go, I, a slave of Heath. But that's what's going on here. James is Jesus' half-brother, saw everything, saw life lived out in the flesh before, you know, there was not stage lights, but before any of that happened, before he hit the, the, the grand stage, he saw live through, I'm sure there was not any teasing, because Jesus didn't sin, and if he did tease, it was just going to be like loving, teasing, okay. Uh, I don't know how brothers were back then, but my older brother took full advantage of being the older brother. Um, but that's who we're reading. So, that, you know, when we're, we're hearing these words through his lips, understand that there is a transformation that must happen in someone's life to go from this is my brother to this is Lord and Savior to the end. I mean, James died a horrible death believing that reality to the very end and there's uh most likely this is also the first book that was written um in the new testament what you see it was one of the first ones uh, earliest manuscripts and sometimes it's called the proverbs of the new testament uh the book of james is practically and faithfully reminds christians how to live and uh, a great videos if you've never found these before uh there's a uh, an organization or company online called the Bible Project, and they do little um, reviews of. I mean, they're they're great, and like uh, it's interesting because um, James isn't really his name; it's Jacob, which is a little side fact that I'm not going to introduce today. So we're like get real confused if I say that. But if you watch the video, they'll explain you know the Greek and Hebrew and why his name is um, Jacob. But anyway, side note. So what I'm going to jump into is. Two verses that in the middle of, we're going to be in James 1, 1 through 8, and then I'm going to pull in some Romans 5, um, which are two of the main um, texts in the Bible that we have about us re- responding to things that we're going through and, and how that should happen. And this is leading up to all the wisdom that James is going to give on later on in um, the book, but it's setting that up. And this is to a church that has already seen persecution, that has already been scattered to the four corners of their natural world. Um, and he's writing this letter to encourage them. So James 1, starting in verse 1, it says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, half-brother. To the twelve tribes in um, the dispersion, which means the, the ones that have been sent out, the ones that are been scattered to the winds because of the persecution's greetings. And then we get right into it in verse 2. It says, count it all joy. The NIV says, pure joy. Pure all joy. And I'm sure if you just sit here for a second and you think about some of the stuff that you've gone through in your life, um, there's, you know, the the tough things, you're not sitting there going, man, those were good times, the joy. I mean, when we think about joyous stories, we don't typically think about these, but this is what he's telling them. Count it all joy, my brothers, which is important because this is a letter written um, to the people of God. And so really these words aren't aren't for everyone. We, we cannot necessarily, we cannot consider it pure joy if Jesus isn't our treasure. Because the things that are going on in our lives may not necessarily, which we're going to talk about in a second, lead us to this 
perfection. But if we are children of God, if we have given our life to Jesus, what is going on around us, what is happening in and to us is leading us, if we trust the word, to our perfection, to us being whole and complete. It says, uh, let me start this over. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, which is also another word for endurance, which is something we talked about last week in uh, Hebrews 10, where he said, you are in need of endurance. And this is something that the church, our friends, our Fellow cohorts in Christ need to hear over and over again because the world will and we will completely tell ourselves that this isn't fair, that this shouldn't be happening, and these things don't have purpose. It says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete meaning whole, lacking in nothing. See, most of us want the whole and complete. We, we want, there's not many of us is like, man, I would like to be just stable. I would like to have, you know, confidence. I, I would like to have all of these things. I, I, I would like to be whole and complete. But the problem is most of us don't want to do what it takes to get there. Just like I mentioned earlier with these competitive athletes, they have given themselves to this life all to earn something that won't last them into eternity. And we have to allow these things. And part of it is as we're looking at these things that are going on, and we're going to talk about a scripture that I absolutely love it just a little bit, is that all of these things have to happen in our lives to lead us to this place of being whole and complete. We, we cannot be what God has called us to be without some suffering. Which we don't necessarily like to hear. But in all other worlds, we understand that suffering in the perseverance through that is what really shapes us who we are. Honestly, most of you in this room, whether you believe this text or not, are who you are because of what you've gone through, good and bad. And some of you are stronger and better people today because of going through those things. You wouldn't have the character. You wouldn't be the person, the man or woman that you are right now without some of these difficult times. And not that we would ever want to go repeat those difficult times. But we, I look back at some of these things that I've gone through and I'm like, I'm grateful for who I am now. I don't want to repeat that necessarily. But I'm grateful for what it has created in me. And see, this is partly what James is talking about, that, that there's something that God is doing in us, something in us that God wants to flesh out. I mean, to be completely honest, some of our trials are given to us by us. Some of our poor choices, some of, and I mean, if we wanted to sit around and if we were sitting around in a circle and we were being completely honest, there's a lot of our trials and really heartache that we've gone through that was literally produced by ourselves. No one else generated it. We did it, made a bad decision, um, took a wrong turn, whatever you want to say, and it's on us. And the beauty of it is that God will even use our own stupidity, our own mistakes to help shape and mold us. 
And I need that. Like, I, I, I need to know that God can and will use even my missteps. See, there are no shortcuts, shortcuts to becoming whole and complete. If you're lacking something not whole, surrender with joy to the work and plan of God in your life. And that's the hard part because the joy doesn't come without surrender because you'll never, ever bring joy joy to these trials and tribulation without understanding because the joy is coming from, it's not just, it isn't just there, it's coming from you realizing what God's going to do in and through this. So we can find joy in the midst of that because we understand that that is going to shape and mold our faith and who we are and it's going to make us Lacking nothing. And see, remember from last week, it's all our life is all about trusting God with our story. It's it's about realizing that in in some efforts we can't control what goes on around us. And and as a child of God, we get to say, I am your child. And, and you're shaping and molding my future. And so if there's things that are out of my control that are happening in and to me, I get to look at them through the lens of, God, you're in control and you're working something to your good and having faith to hold and wait and see. Uh, Romans 5, starting in verse 2, it says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Literally, we're standing in this faith and grace and rejoicing in the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our suffering, which is this other crazy statement. So it's not just one. I think sometimes we can read one thing in the Bible like, well, you know, man, it's just one time. Maybe we're not translating it correctly. Rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Suffering produces endurance. It really, truly proves what's already there. We're going to talk about also in a second a a reference. They talk about this purifying gold. There's, There's something that happens as it shapes. It takes away our imperfections. And pain and suffering has a way of bringing clarity to who we are. It has a way of shaking these things that aren't important, these things that we're doing that are destructive, and we get to look at them through a lens of going, I need to remove this thing from my life. And then he says something. So here, here's this, this hard thing. And then I love that there is verse 5. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, knowledge, understanding, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. He's talking about wisdom, not like sometimes we're like, OK, we ask, I want this thing. It's like, you know, Jesus becomes Santa Claus and we put in our list of wants and we just want him to fulfill this. And he's saying, hey, wisdom. So you've got this tough thing that he's asking. You count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And then he's saying, hey, if, if you're struggling with that Ask for wisdom. 
ask for the ability to understand and see what is going on. This is one prayer that I've been trying to verbally say every morning. Open my eyes to see what you're doing today. Because I believe we miss so much of what God is actively weaving into our life because we are missing it. And I want to see, and this is what he's saying, hey, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to you. Like, I need wisdom. Here's another one, Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will make straight your path. There's a dilemma with memorizing scripture in one translation for half of your Christian life and then changing to a new one. Sometimes even when you're looking at the words in the page, you just can't stay. Uh, but that he, he's saying, look, if you put your trust in the Lord and you're not leaning on your own understanding and you're acknowledging him, he will make your path straight because that's what we do. The more we trust in ourselves, and I'm telling you, like, if, if you learn nothing else today, hear this, you're not always right. And, and, and hear this, okay, you're not always right. God is always right. He's always good. He's always leading us to the thing. And what he's saying here is he's like, hey, don't trust yourself. I'm telling you, I've lied to myself plenty of times, convinced myself this is a great decision, and quickly realized that my wisdom doesn't go too far. And what he's saying here and in the joy thing is you've got to get your mind out of what you think and believe. Because honestly, most of the time when 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 hardships come, especially and this is specifically talking about persecution that's happening because of their their boldness in their faith, because of their proclaiming the gospel. This isn't just like, oh, I'm getting, you know, hassled at work. I mean, which it applies to those things. But these are people that are literally losing home and lives because of the gospel. And he's saying, hey, don't trust in that thing. Trust in me. Because if you're trusting in me, you're going to see your life through a different lens. If, if I realize that, you know, my life is not my own, that I've been bought with a price and that I am now a child of God and God has this bigger thing that's going on. And that bigger thing is more valuable than my little thing. This little world that I've created that I want to, I want to like everybody to revolve around because my world is the most important thing. And God's saying, hey, my plan has purpose. And that purpose has eternal significance. If you'll surrender to that, I'll use you in my plan, which will have an impact past this life. And then he goes on. Let me read um, five again. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Like, I, I've, I've had some of those prayers where I'm like, Father, please. And all he's asking us to do is, is not have this great measure of faith. I think sometimes we feel like we've got to be the David that's walking out in front of Goliath when, you know, in, in the Gospels, he's saying, have faith as small as a mustard seed, just a little, just trusting that God is capable, not trying to make yourself understand how he's capable or how he's going to make this thing work out to our good and his glory, but you're trusting him. So when you're asking for that wisdom, you're just saying, God, I need I need to hear you. I need to feel what you want me to do today. I want to see you. Because the truth is, the more we get to see God move in and through us, the more we trust him. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. It says, In this you rejoice. Though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. See a pattern here? So that the test, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and is filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And he's saying here again, it's like, you know, if you want to purify gold, you put it in the heat or silver is an even better one because it, it, there's even usually more impurities in it. You heat it up and the, the dross, the, the, the imperfections, the, the trash comes up to the top and you can make it pure. And he's saying, hey, even gold that has been tested by fire, it's already been made pure, will eventually perish and be nothing. And he's saying that our, our faith is so more precious than that. Let it be tested. Romans eight twenty eight, um, which this is a memory verse that uh, there's some guys that I work out with that are memorizing this. And kind of the challenge is in the morning is that someone, you know, that else is memorizing can ask you like, hey, what's Romans eight twenty eight? Uh, and someone asked me this Thursday, and this is one of my favorite verses. Like I have had it memorized for day, and I could not like I was like, I could not get it out of my brain. I finally got it out of my brain. Um. And what's cool about it is, is throughout the week we have this little kind of communication app that we use to talk about it. And we've got a channel that we talk about these things. <laughs> um, but it, they've been talking about like these words in it, like really meditating on what this is. So let me read it to you. Romans 8.28 and it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And there's two things that people have been talking about as they're looking at this. Is The one thing is like we know, we're confident in this. It's not like we kind of believe we, you know, it might be so. He says that we know that for those, and this is another one. This isn't a verse. I think it gets applied across the board. 
But this is a verse for his children. It says, for we know that for those who love God, all things work together. And the thing that I wrote this week about this is this is all things. It's just like the beginning of that the chorus from that song. It says, all of this is for your glory, all of it. If you're a child of God, literally everything that you're going through, every struggle, every difficulty, every you know, like joyous thing that's happened in your life is happening for your good. And that's hard. I, I, I think that's difficult for us to, to grapple with that some of the things that you're presently struggling with, God is allowing, using to shape and mold you. Because he wants you to be whole and complete. He doesn't want this struggle because the more tried by fire that we are, the more confident that we are in him, the stronger that we can be, the more effective that we can be, the more stable we can be. The more we trust him and he's saying these all things. Just think about for just a second, what are some of those things that are going on in your life that you're struggling looking at and going, this is one of those things that God is using for my good and his glory. What, what is it? Just think of one. You don't have to say it out loud. Think of something that's presently going on in your life that you would love to look at and say, no, God is not in this. God is not working this out. I mean, either God is control of everything or he's not. He is working it to our good and his glory. And trusting him is just proclaiming that it is, even when you don't see it. Because it, like part of the joy isn't that, you lo- that you're crazy, that you love pain and suffering, that you're like, oh, I'm psycho and I, I love this torture. It, the joy's coming from the reality of what will happen in the future, which you can't see. Just like in Hebrews 11 that we talked about last week, without faith it is impossible to please God because we must believe he exists and rewards those who seek him. The reward isn't happening now. It's not like we get, we do, you know, when we kind of train our children uh, where we, you know, give them little treats or prizes. You know, God does do that to some extent, but it is not like that. We're like, okay, let's take a step forward. Thank you. Take a step forward. Thank you. Some of it is literally trusting that where I'm going, God is going to reward my effort and my energy in him that all things. And I think that's something that we've got to self-talk to ourselves. We've got to look at ourselves in the mirror, whether it's in our car or our house. I, you know, probably do, probably do it by yourself because, you know, people watching you talk to yourself. Uh, which with all these little earbuds that get smaller and smaller, I mean, the more people look crazy just driving around and you're like, ah, da, da. <laughs> like oh, I'm sure I look like that sometimes. Um, but honestly, l- allowing those things to begin to shape and mold us to make us who we are trusting God. Here's another one that just will wreck you. Uh, Job, if you're familiar with Job or uh, Job. As, you know, he may read it. I'm sure I've said that a time or two. Probably at the beginning said it thinking that I was correct. But in Job 5, 17, and this is a guy who, um, by God's own admission, was blameless. Okay, none of us in this room, 
including this guy that has this fancy little thing on his face, is blameless. None of us in this room, God is looking down from heaven in this. I'm, assume, I'm sorry if that is you, but I'm just making an assumption. None of us are getting that acclaim that Job got from the father and Job suffered. Big. He lost everything. I mean, he lost his family. God kept his wife there and that wasn't a great scenario. She was not the nicest to him about this. Literally, it was like your wife's like, just curl over and die. I'm like, thanks, babe. Love you too. I mean, he lost all, he was wealthy, lost everything. He had boils and sores that were, I mean, were, I mean, his life was 100% suffering. 100%. I mean, like, and, and and he didn't deserve it. And what I mean, I know I've preached on Job before, but like just a side note for you in this room, um, just because you're suffering, it, it it is not necessarily meaning that God is angry with you. Because Job suffered, and and God definitely was not angry with Job. And there's this verse in Job, ver, uh, chapter five, verse seventeen, and it says, "Behold, bless." is the one whom God reproves. Other translations say corrects, disciplines. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. Another verse actually says that he, he disciplines his children. And so that if you're being disciplined by God, he's doing it for your benefit. I mean, my, my children um, don't like discipline. Like things at this point, it's things being taken away. I have this great, anybody that wants a little pointer, they make this thing called a uh, Google Wi-Fi that you can put up in your house, and you can literally isolate every single device. And I have this pause button on this app. I can just pause. That's that's what punishment in our house looks like right now. But no, be like, what what did you say? <laughs> I mean, and he's not like, oh, Dad, I love this. I can't wait to like never do this with my children. But he tells me all the time things he's going to make sure <laughs> never happens in his house. But but none of this I'm doing to be like, ha. <laughs> I just love it. I don't love it. There's a reason that got us to this place. And the point is that discipline is for our good. See, I'm imperfect. And there's sometimes that I have not disciplined well. But when God is disciplined, it is always for our benefit. It is always to lead us to life. It is always to bring us to this place that we get to really truthfully enjoy him more. In a place that you, this is Job saying, blessed is the one whom God corrects. To take that willing discipline from the fathers for what it is, which is his love and affection for us. Because he's concerned about you. Because honestly, the less we sin, the better our life is going to be. Period. And I'm not like, oh, let's. You know, let's all, I would love for us, because honestly, if we took the Ten Commandments, and I'm not talking about being legalistic, but if we took the Ten Commandments and all of us in this room decided that we were not going to, out of love and affection for the Father, break any of those, every one of our relationships would be benefited. People would enjoy being around us. 
people would be excited. I mean, all of those things for, were for our good because if you live those things out, you're going to enjoy life. Because you're not going to suffer the consequences of stupid decisions. And people around you aren't going to be hurt and wounded by your poor decisions. And that's what he's saying. He's like, he wants to lead you to a place that life is good. And that's and how you can see this is this is through the lens of people that are suffering horribly in like things that are going on in their life that are out of their control. People literally persecuting them for their faith. And he's telling them Consider it pure joy. Because he understands that what God's doing in them, they can't get anywhere else. And God's doing it for their benefit and for their, for their good. So how, how do you close? I, mean, I feel like sometimes I, I, I hit these texts during the week as we're reading through our one-year Bible, and I'm like, I actually had a different one. I, was gonna, um, I think it was Psalms 115, which is a great one. It's talking about um, uh, idols. You know, they have, they have eyes, but they don't see, and ears, and they don't hear, and mouths, and they don't speak, and will become like them. whole other, just, that's a free nugget. You can take that and play with it. It's great. And then I, I got to this verse, and I was like, I cannot not talk about this. I cannot not talk about this idea that we, we are to get joy out of what God is doing in our lives and in our world through the things that we're going through because there's there's not one person that's not affected by hurts and pains either present or past and so if we're going to work this out if we're going to walk into this faith of God we've got to understand that these things that we're going to be facing are for our good, and the way we navigate them is going to bring us life. That's the end result of this. So here, here's a question um, that I'm going to throw out. How do you ready yourself for trials? I wrote trails. <laughs> it's always funny when I see typos on my own page, which is usually lots of them. How do you ready yourself for trials and testings that will be coming your way. Because they're coming. If, you're, if you're, you're, you're on easy street right now, at some point in the future, something is going to happen that is going to test that in you. And, and how are you going to ready yourself for what is coming? Because the problem is, most of the time we don't ready ourselves, we don't prepare mentally, we don't connect um, our, you know, le- level up our intimacy with the Father so that when those things happen, we're naturally going to Him. And then they hit, and we're like, oh! So how do we ready ourselves for that? Because they will happen. These things are going to come we live in a world where people are dying, literally. No one escapes death. We're going home for Thanksgiving um, this week, and my grandmother is 93 years old and is not doing well uh, at all. And that's one of the main reasons we're going home for Thanksgiving to spend time with her. And she's a, she's a trooper. I mean, she's, she's not willingly going anywhere. <laughs> They've been telling her she's going to die for like 10 years, and she's like, nah. Ain't having that. They literally gave her six months to live eight months ago, and she's just like, nope. Uh, I love my grandmother. But the truth is, it happens. 
So just with that reality that every single one of us in this room will face death. There's pain that comes with that. So how are you going to ready yourself? What are you going to do? So if you are a child of God, what is your plan? Because just like an athlete that's preparing for this event, they're going to do specific things. They're going to have uh, exercises that they're going to do every day. I was listening to a book the other day, this guy that was trying to break the pull-up record, 4,020 of them. He Three attempts. One, he ripped a uh, muscle in his arm, uh, destroyed his hands. I mean, this guy's just like crazy. But he trained. He did 67,000 pull-ups in nine months training for the 60. He had a, he had a system where literally every day he did X amount of pull-ups because he had a goal. And so if you know this is coming, if you know testing and trying is coming, what is your plan right now? Because if you don't have a plan, it's not going to go as well as having a plan. You have to prepare yourself to go, I'm going to receive this with joy. So that's something that you, you need to decide on. And actually, as we close, that's something I would, I would recommend you spending some time going, what do I need to do? And the key to that is drawing in to the Father. The closer, the more intimate, the more love we experience and um, spend time with Him, know His Word, those are going to be the things that will help us experience these trials and tribulations in a way that will benefit us. So if you are a child of God, trust him with the process. And I'm not saying like tomorrow, like, it, you know, some of you in here are going to be like, I want to be whole and complete more than anything in the world. So I'm just going to invite suffering into my life. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But trust him with the process. When you see these things happening to you and around you, go to God. Say, God, I trust you with what you're doing. I trust that what you're doing is going to be always for my good and your glory. And the last thing I want to invite our worship team up is to become, if you're not, his child. None of these things are. You'll never find joy out of suffering because without something outside of yourself, there isn't anything other than just shaping and molding you. So that you'll be a better you. But what does a better you mean? See, but if we're trusting God with this process, we're going, God, I'm, I'm going to be a part of something that's greater than me that's going to continue. For over 2,000 years, this mission has been going on, and it's not ever going to be stopped. It's never going to end. The church regardless of what the state of the church in America is, the gospel will never be silenced. The church will never die. Some churches will. But the mission and the church will continue. I mean, there's churches growing like wildfire in places that literally means that you will die if you say yes to Jesus. And I want to be a part of something because no one, like God's not going to look at my, my wealth management strategy at the end of my life and go, good job. You provided well, kind of. Uh, <clears throat> he's not going to look at you know, my assets or my collections or anything else. He's going to look at the only thing that is eternal, which is the soul of man. He's going to look at what, 
was your investment into other people. So if you're not his child, work, discover, research, get to know him to the place that you can trust. If James, his half-brother, can witness Jesus from early on to the cross and say, I'm a slave to my Lord and Master, Jesus. Because I'm sure it it didn't just happen. Because there's a story in the Gospels where his family comes looking for him, and I don't know if James is part of him, like, hey... You're crazy. We need to collect Jesus, take him to somewhere that has a padded room. So at some point, his family, his brother specifically, transitioned from like, I'm not sure about this, to I'm a slave to Jesus. And so if that's not you, the beauty of it, just like you saw, if you lack wisdom, ask, which God gives without Reproach. The best life you can ever have is surrendered to the one who created you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that right now, sitting here, we can draw air into our lungs, that we have breath and life in us. And I choose to believe that if there's breath in our lungs right now, you have purpose and destiny for us. And Lord, we want to get to a place that we trust you with our lives. We want to get to a place that we can count it as joy when we face trials of many kinds because we understand that you're shaping and molding us so that we can be whole and complete. And so, Lord, I pray as we go into this next week and uh, the holiday season and traveling around and being around family members, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see you. Lord, that you would help us be a mouthpiece of your kindness, a mouthpiece of your truth, a mouthpiece of your kingdom. And Lord, to you be the glory and honor. And Lord, we pray that you would use us. That you would make us into the men and women that you desire. Would you would make us into a useful tool for your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.